All right, well, good evening, everybody. Um, our mission here at Bridge Church is really we want to meet people where they're at and lead them to a life-changing encounter with Jesus that's never going to change. We do, that, we do that mission with three simple steps. We want you to be real. In other words, come as you are. Don't worry about the baggage. Don't worry about where you're at. Just come and let Jesus meet you. And then the next step after that is belong. We want you to make connections. Make connections with each other, but also make connections with God. Because this is where we want people to make those connections with God. And the third step is we want you to become who God created you to be. Find your purpose. And as we get ready to start this new series for, for, for this new year, and we begin our new year, my study and prayer for this, as I thought back on this last year and I saw all the division that happened, we had riots, we had fires, we had shootings, we had earthquakes, we had protests, there was an election, just craziness going on all over the place. We are more divided and more polarized as a culture than we have been in forever. I mean, it's, Jesus warns us in his word, you know, a nation divided against itself can't stand. I mean, you turn on the TV, what do you see if you watch the news? I don't watch it, so what do you see when you watch the news? Is it positive? Is it uplifting? It's anger. It's if you don't do things this way, then you're wrong. Social media. If somebody don't agree with you on social media, they have no problem nowadays demonizing you for it. As Sean and I were talking a few weeks ago, there have been lifelong friends that are no longer friends because of what's been going on in our culture. So what happens is we look at that as followers of Christ and say, how are we supposed to react to this? How are we to become agents of love Agents of unity and agents of harmony and peace with all of this division going on. You know, one of the guys I studied while I was doing this was Rick Warren. And he calls it a fractured world. And we are. We're more fractured in this world than we have been in a long time. But before we get into our main text for tonight, I want to read a couple of verses first. And they kind of lay the foundation of where this series is going to go. And the name of this series is Love Like Jesus. It's a simple one. I could end this message in like one sentence. You want to love like Jesus, read your Bible and follow him. Mic drop, we're done. But if we were as Christians, we're all doing that, I wouldn't have a job. Not like I'd like the job security. Trust me, I'd be happier if you guys were doing that. It's like when I worked at the hospital, you know, people just said, when people get in car accidents and people died, you had job security. I'm like, sweet, I don't want job security. I want people to be healthy and alive. Take my job security and I'll be happy with that. Same thing with being a pastor. I'm, I'll be happy if people followed Jesus. If they didn't need hope because they had hope. But see, that's why Jesus needs followers. It's because people don't have hope and we're here to introduce that hope. And that hope, his name is Jesus. And so in Galatians 3, or 5, 13 and 14, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But do not use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said in John 8, 36, So if the Son sets you free you are truly free. So as Christians, we are free from the bonds of sin. 
we are free from the, that slavery of, of living for others' approval. But Jesus also says, don't use that freedom for yourself. I never gave you that freedom for you. I gave it to you for them. Your freedom was given so that you could offer this to them. Jesus died so we could have life. And Jesus asked us as followers, am I willing to die to myself for others? And that's the hardest part of Christianity right there, is I have to die to me and what I want. And our main verse is going to be found in 1 Peter 2. And so if you want to all look that up, go for it. We're going to go to chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 15. And I'll give you a minute to go there. And I started in verse 15 because um, I giggled when I read it, so I figured you guys might get a giggle out of it too. Y'all there? Almost, okay. All right, so 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 15, it says, For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The message version breaks out verse 17 this way. That was out of the NASB. But the message version says, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. So to sum up what he's saying there, he's just like, we are to live in freedom, not to the bonds of slavery anymore. We're supposed to live under the freedom that Christ gave us, but we're to use that freedom to serve God. It's not for our own selfish desires. And he goes on and says, guess what? I also want you to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, love your church family. I don't know if you all been ever been part of a church that gossips, backbites. You know, Isaiah 58 got a whole bunch of verses on that that I've, I've taught on before, and I, I always go back to that. Because in Isaiah 58, it says, if you want to be rebuilders of nations and rebuilders of cities and rebuilders of broken things, you've got to stop the backbiting, stop the gossiping, stop holding everybody in bondage. We've got to love our church family that God's put us in. And then he says, respect the government. Now, today, that's probably not a real popular statement. But I want you to think about this for a second. Do you believe, and you can raise your hand for this one. I'll take a vote. How many of you guys believe that God was surprised by the election? All right, nobody. All right, sweet. How many of you believe coronavirus took God by surprise? No? Then why do we run around arguing about it? I just ask, if we believe that, why don't we live it? None of, none of what happened took God by surprise. None of what's happening is taking God by surprise. Did you know when Peter wrote this verse, Christians were under enormous persecution? 
You know who was in charge of Rome when he wrote that verse? Nero. Dude was nuts. He burned his own city and blamed the Christians for doing it. We got it bad? In the United States, where we can still meet? They were getting killed, tossed to the lions. And he said, respect the government. How many of you think those people that listen to Peter, are you nuts? you got to be outside your mind. We're supposed to, yep, respect them. You see Paul say that also. Don't return evil with evil. But return it for good. So tonight, what I want to focus on as we go through this is, is Paul gave us four very good statements on how to love, love like Jesus. He said, honor all people. Treat them with dignity. He says, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Fear God and respect the government. Some versions it says respect the king. Now, I chose government because that makes more sense to us today. So he gave it that. And he says, these first, I want to talk about five principles tonight on how we can love like Jesus and how we can love people in a broken culture when it seems like we can't get along with anyone anymore. As I studied, I read about this guy named John Perkins. He was a contemporary of Martin Luther King in the Civil Rights Movement. Okay, he, he had his brother was shot and murdered by a racist. He was beaten many times. He was thrown in prison just for being black. Yet while he was in prison, God spoke to him and said, if you retaliate, if you get revenge, you're no better than these people. You need to respond with love. You need to respond with reconciliation. And when I was reading that, and I actually read a bunch from him and a bunch that he has talked about, and, and, and he's a pillar in, in, the, you know, in, in the faith um, with, with, some, with his teachings and stuff. To have somebody who has gone through that as I'm reading this, and, and again, we, we get told, you know, we can't meet at 10 o'clock in the morning and we throw a fit. Um, or we get told we have to stay home for a couple weeks and we throw a fit. We can still meet, but we just can't meet together and we throw a fit. Dude's getting thrown in prison, beaten, his brother's murdered, and God says we've got to respond in love. Do we respond to people in love? that we don't agree with? Or do we argue to get our way? See, the first principle I want to talk about tonight, and the one that we really need to get right, is to love like Jesus, we need to realize we have to look at people and treat them like Jesus does. Jesus sees us all as broken people. Not one of us is any better than any other one. He sees us all as people who needed a Savior. Do we look at people that way? So the first thing we look at tonight is dignity. We have to remember that God created every person in his image. Do we look at strangers that way? Do we look at people who are different than us that way? Or do we judge them because they're different? Or do we give them the same dignity that Jesus gave us when he found us in our brokenness? See, in Psalm 8, 5, it says, Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels, or a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and majesty. He was talking about man there. We go back to creation. God says, let us make man in our image. 
And so when God created man, he created them with, he created us all with a dignity inside of us. If you think about it, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines dignity as the, the quality or state of being worthy, honored, or esteemed. So how do you see people when you don't agree with them and they look different than you? Because see, the thing about dignity is that you can't convince someone they're worthy, but we can affirm that they are. We can remind them who they are in Christ. We can deny them dignity, but we can't convince them of it. We can deny or affirm it. That, that is our choice. Because if we're going to love people, first we've got to realize that we have to give them dignity, that they were created in the image of God, and that no one can take that away from them. Acts 10.28 says, And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a, former, a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. There is nobody you come across that God didn't create with dignity. You look around, and I think what a lot of people are searching today for is just that. They're looking for their worth. We've become a culture that the louder I yell, the more worthy I feel. And so that's why we've got to continually do that, and we've got to continually pour into that, and we've got to continually convince people and convince ourselves that our way is right. It's because we're looking for the dignity that God's already given us. we just got to start living in it. We've got to start looking at people in that same dignity. The second thing, the second principle of, of, of loving like Jesus is we need to understand there's diversity. God intentionally created everyone unique. There are no two people alike, and nor have there ever been. So instead of the old statement, you're, you're like one in a million, actually you are like one in seven billion. God calls you and knit you in your mother's womb before you were born. He created you with unique gifts, with unique talents, with a unique personality, and he's called you to do that. One thing I had to learn early on with becoming a pastor was I, I didn't have to change who I was. I had to change how I did it. My personality is exactly what God needs. He gave me this personality. He gave you your personality. You are going to be able to reach people I never can because of the gifts, the talents, and the personality he's given each one of you. That's why we're all so important in the body. You know, I wrote, wrote down 1 Corinthians 15, 38 through 40. It says, God gives everything, that, everything the kind of body he wants it to have. People, animals, birds, and fish are each made of flesh, but none of them are alike. Everything in the heavens has a body, and so does everything on earth, but each one is very different from all the others. So the Bible's telling us it was intentional that you were created the way you are. See, God doesn't want cookie cutters. He gave you, he, he created you to be you, not be me, not be your parents, 
not be like your friends. He created you to live your life out the way you, the way he's called it. Because see, what God is saying when we have a problem with people who are different than we are or, and, and we can't accept diversity is the problem is I don't have a problem with them is I have a problem a lot of times with God. And what I mean by that is racism, prejudice, and bigotry is actually a problem with God because it's saying, God, you screwed up. Everyone should be like me. And that was from that John Perkins. And I agree with that statement. When I think people should do things my way, am I really upset with them? Because that's who I'm going to blame because I ain't big enough to blame God. Or am I saying, God, you messed something up here because they should not be doing this this way? How can they call themselves a Christian when they're doing this this way? And they're doing it okay. There are people that will try to use God and be totally off base. And those need to be corrected. We need to be called out on our mistakes. But a lot of people who are trying to do the right thing are actually just trying to follow God. And our job is to kind of help nudge them in that way versus tell them, no, no, don't go that path. You've got to come the path I, I've been on. I don't want anybody to have to walk through what I had to walk through to get to where I'm at today. I don't wish that on anybody. But it's the path that God took me on and the choices I made that God had to take me through. Y'all have your own stories. Share those stories. They're diverse. Diversity isn't just about skin color. It's not just about race. It's not just about religion. Diversity is your story. Because your story is going to be 100% different than mine until you hit Jesus. And he is the unifying factor to all stories. See, I look at my marriage as I was looking at this. You couldn't find two people different than me and Christy. Just, I am, you got a problem, you kick the door down, you deal with the problem, it's good. She is, let's not really deal with that. But she can sit and listen to somebody and make them feel like they are the most important person in the world. Go, yeah, really? Uh-huh, sure. And I'm like, seriously, get over it, you big baby. Our, see, my weaknesses will never be my strengths. That's why I have a wife who fills in those weaknesses and she fills those with her strengths and my strengths fill in her weaknesses and together we are a bond that is unstoppable. And that's the body of Christ. All of you guys have weaknesses. All of you have strengths. But all of our weak strengths come together. We become one body in Christ. And, it be, and that's where Jesus said, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it when you're working together. It's because we're diverse. We're not all the same. We're all intentionally unique. See, God made you. He spoke you into existence and He called you out by name. He determined who you are. He determined what you do. And until we find out as a culture where our identity is found, we're constantly will struggle with this. When our identity is found in where we go to church, what I do for a living, who my friends are, my identity will always shift depending on what I'm doing. But when I find my identity in the one who created me, those different than me now can come alongside me because I'm not threatened by them because they were also created by God and we can work as one team to become the body that Christ called us to be. Acts 7.26 says it this way, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth 
having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. I love that verse. You are not a mistake. You know, sometimes when I watch like a movie Tombstone, I don't know if you've all ever seen Tombstone. Great movie if you've never seen it. Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, Doc Holliday, I'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah, you guys don't get it? Okay. Um, I look at that and I'm like, dude, it would have been awesome to live back in the Old West. Maybe I was born in the wrong time. I say that jokingly because I know over time that I understand that God created me to live now. My personality does work well right now. Because again, if, if, if there's a problem, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not going to give up. And I have you guys to lean on when I do get tired. I have you guys praying for me, which I need. Thank you. And I pray for you guys. Why? Because we need each other to keep our strengths going. See, when we're all in this together, it's not everyone for himself. It's like the movie The Three Musketeers. You guys all remember that one? Maybe that one's more roundabout. Y'all know that one. What was, what was Three Musketeers' favorite saying? All for one and one for all. That should be the banner of the church. Because we're all for one and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is for everyone. You guys didn't know where I was going with that one, did you? I didn't either. That just came in my head. But that's how we need to live because if there is one place in all the world where people should get along, it ought to be the church. So we have to come together. And that brings us to our third principle. And if it's one of the core statements we have here at Bridge Church, community. The third principle is we, we, life is just done better together. And when it's done on mission with Jesus, that makes it exceptional. See, God never intended us to go through life by yourself. He never, he never intended you to go through it on your own. He never intended you to be lonely. He never intended you to be without support of other people. He never intended you to walk through life and struggle through life by yourself. In Ephesians 3.6, it says, This mystery is that the gospel, the Gentiles, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together to the promise of Christ Jesus. See, Jesus understood, and, and, and Paul understood, and the, the early disciples understood, and, and a lot of Christians today understand. And I know um, Rob Ketterling, as, as we talk with him, and, and, and he sends out different things, that is one of their statements as well, is, you know, life's, on better, life's better on mission with Jesus. We understand when we work together as a body, and we come beside each other, and we do things together, we become stronger. It's no longer me having to figure everything out for the church. When I can tell you, and you guys can't, a great example of that was paying off the land this summer. I could not have done that on my own, but I could share a vision with you guys of what God has led us to, to do so far, and you guys all stood up, and in a matter of two months, we had the building or the land paid off because we came together as a body under one vision. And that's the strength of Jesus Christ. When we come together under his vision for where we're going, and that's why I'm trying to become better at, at sharing the vision of what God has for us next. And I'll, I will go over it, and, and, and I'll share it with you as it continues to get cleared up in my head. Um, because when we come together and do life together, we, we become stronger. When our differences are celebrated and we don't look down on each other, we become stronger. Not because of one person or the other has to be right, but the team is going to win. Are you part of Jesus' team? 
Or as Toby Mack used to say, y'all want to get on the J train. I know, I'm going old school on you people tonight. When we, get, when we come underneath and we understand that Jesus is the only one who's right. He's the only one who changes hearts. He's the only one in all of creation who can save someone from an addiction, who can save someone from abuse, who can save someone from depression, and he saved us from our sins. And so when we struggle with things, it's because we struggle with them on our own. We don't come alongside somebody else and say, you know, dude, I'm struggling with this. Why? Because we're afraid of how they're going to judge us. Right? Y'all have done it. I can't be open because I'm afraid of what they're going to think. Well, here's the bigger question. Are you afraid of freedom? Because when you pick the right person, the freedom will flow from that. They will come alongside you and they will fight with you. They will not fight you. Because that's what Jesus is calling us to do is live in community and fight for each other. Hebrews 2.11 says, Jesus who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So he is not ashamed to call you a brother or sister, to call you his brother. He's not ashamed of that. Now you might be ashamed of it. Like, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus, don't say that. I know what I did last night. Well, he knows what you did too, and he still says you're his brother or sister. How exciting is that? Doesn't matter what we do. He says, I've made you holy. See, James 2.18 in the message says you can develop a healthy and robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Treating each other with dignity and honor. The fourth thing is love. We've been put here on earth to learn how to love. Jesus summarized the whole Bible in his great commandment when he said what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do we love our neighbors with enough truth and grace to introduce them to Jesus? See, everything in the Great Commission or in the, in the greatest commandments that Jesus has talked about is it's all about relationships. If we don't learn how to love God, how can I learn to love people? And if I don't learn how to love people, I've missed the purpose of God having me here. Jesus basically said that God put you here for two things. (laughs) Love God and love each other. It's sometimes inconvenient to love other people. It sometimes hurts. John 13 says, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. You must love each other in the same way that I have loved you. That's where it gets difficult. What did Jesus do for you? He died for me. Am I willing to die to myself to love someone else? To let them be right? to introduce them to Jesus. Because Jesus loves you unconditionally, freely, and repeatedly. Without hesitation, he loves you. As we've talked about it before, his love isn't what God does, it's who he is. 
See, it goes on to say in verse 35, you must love each other in the same way that I have loved you. You love for one another will prove what? Prove to the world you are my disciples. So if we can't love other people, we are doing a disservice to Jesus. Because he said, your love's going to prove that you're following me. If you can't love someone else who's different than you, are you really my disciple? See, again, this, is, this was difficult for me to write. Because there are some people that just rub me the wrong way. I know it's hard to believe. I bite my tongue a lot these days. And I'm just being honest and transparent. Because I hear what some people say and I'm like, God, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, is it more important for me to be right or more important for me to show him Jesus? That's really the decision we need to make. Because you see, Jesus didn't say in that statement, if you go to church, you're proving to people my, you're proving to people you're my disciple. You know, you throw some bumper sticker on your car. You read your Bible every day. None of that stuff does Jesus say is prove that you're his disciple. What does it say? It says your love for one another will prove you're my disciples. See, the thing we have to remember is, is those things, yes, are important, and yes, I do them, and I will always read my word, and I will always pray, and I will worship, and I will do my best to love everyone. But I work from the love of God at that point. I'm not working for it. Because that first step, I learned to love God. And when I learned to love God right, I can work from that love to love other people. There's four ways you can show people the love of Jesus when, when they totally agree with you. And I wrote this down there actually from Rick Warren. The first one is listen. When you listen to somebody you don't agree with, what you're doing is you're showing them respect and dignity. And you're listening to hear them, you're not listening to respond. You're showing them you love them because you're giving them your time. And it's time you're never going to get back. You're giving them a voice, even though you may not always agree with them, but you're still showing them dignity. So when you listen to them, look at them. Make eye contact. Eye contact is huge in, co in communication. You can tell a lot from looking at, in somebody's eyes or not, them not looking into yours. Because when you give people your attention, you're giving them that, that time that says, guess what? It's just you and me right now. It's why when you come up to me to talk to me on a Sunday night, it is hard for me to give you that time because my mind is 800 places getting ready for here. But come talk to me after service and I will give you that time. I'm trying to get better at it and that's where Christy excels. She can give people her time that I'm like, I got 800 things to do, really? Here's what you need to do. Boom, boom, boom. Get over it. Let's keep moving. And Christy's like, really? Wow, that's too bad. No, that didn't happen. I'm like, night. Um, <laughs> I'm learning. Like I said, my personality has always been, you got a problem? <clears throat> okay, what's the problem? Let's deal with it. It's done. Not everybody does that, so I've learned to get better. Third one is to learn. Understand you can learn from anyone. You ain't got all the answers. I ain't got all the answers. If we're willing to listen to people, we can learn from just about everything. I learned that as well early on with my, with, with my messages and with sermons. When I, when I, because I know it's hard to believe, but a 
Occasionally, people are critical. <laughs> I've learned that in some people who are being critical, there is actually something I can learn from that when I listen to it and I look at it and I pray over it. If there is, I take what I can from that. I learn what I can. If it's somebody who I know is just always, yeah, I just throw it away. I still give them their voice. I don't, it, it's up to me whether or not I accept it, right? And so when people talk about you, whether or not it's true, it's up to you whether you accept it or not. It's not up to them. So they can throw up all over you if they want. It's up to you if you decide to stay dirty. Isn't it? So quit taking everything so personal. Learn from what people are talking about because all of us can learn from somebody. And the fourth one is huge. You've got to learn to laugh more. Got, okay. I got out the shower today and I, there was a mirror there on accident. I had to laugh. If you can't laugh at yourself, someone else is going to. So you might as well beat them to the punch and laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself so serious. I'm, I'm just taking a shot in the dark that Jesus played all kinds of practical jokes on the 12 disciples. I mean, would you hang out with somebody for three and a half years that didn't have a good sense of humor? I mean, dude was turning water to wine. He was throwing coins in fish's mouth. He was catching, you know, a bunch of fish. He was walking on water. In fact, when you read that story, he was going to walk by them. That's what it says. Y'all missed that, didn't you? It says he was just going to keep on walking until they saw him. And they're like, ah, ghost. And he's like, no, no, it's just me. And I'm sure he had a smirk on his face. Because Jesus taught us to laugh. If not, look at a flamingo. Its knees are on backwards. How about a duck-billed platypus? Seriously. God's got a sense of humor. We need to laugh with each other. We need to have fun. See, because here's the biggest problem, is the average person speaks 130 to 170 words per minute, as I was studied this. Not me, I speak probably a little faster than that. But here's the problem, is the average person can hear 450 words a minute. What do you do with that extra time? You can pray. As you're listening to them, in that 150 to 450 word discrepancy there, you can be praying, God, how do you want to respond to this? How do you want to use me? What do you want me to say here? Because see, in that downtime, we have to learn to, in that downtime of listening, because you all know you can be listening to somebody and watching TV at the same time. It's not uncommon. Because we hear, or we hear 450 words a minute. So we have dime that's down there. What we say is, God, help me to know what to say back. What treats them with the dignity that they, that they deserve? And the fifth principle tonight that I want to look at, and it's what the one John Perkins said in his statement, is reconciliation. You want to love like Jesus, we've got to reconcile people to him. If we're not helping people reconcile, we're not being the church. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And that's why I said at the beginning of service tonight, I want to be known as a church that helps people solve conflicts. 
that if you're having a problem in your marriage, come here and we're going to pray and Jesus is going to step in and help. I want to be a church that people just look at and say, guess what, if anything is going on, we know we can go to them because they're not going to judge us. They're not going to treat us differently. They're just going to love us and help us. Because that's what Jesus did. We learn to love as we follow Jesus. And so to love like Jesus, we have to learn to imitate what he did. See, reconciliation at its core is is evangelism. It's because you are bringing them back together. That's what reconciliation means. To reconcile means that if Sean and I had a fight, we come together and we get rid of our differences and we restore the relationship and we're reconciled. Now, there can be a difference that if there can't be forgiveness, if there can't be you know, unity brought together, it's like tying two cats' tails together. They're united, but they ain't in unity. It can be the same way when we hold on to unforgiveness, when we hold on to offense, when we hold on to things. We can't be united and reconciled with each other until those go away, and those go away when we become like Christ because we've been forgiven, now we can forgive. Matthew 5.9 says it this way, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And so as we look at those five steps and we start off our new year, let's learn to do those things. Let's learn to pray a little bit more, like Jesus who got up early in the morning to pray. Let's learn to get in our word to see what God has for us. Let's start our day off saying, God, okay, guess what? It's your day. What do you want me to do? Now, if you've got to go to work, go to work, because guess what? God will use you there too. Your job isn't secular. It's still sacred. Remember, we talked about that a few weeks back. And that's our work. God has given us the opportunity, and he made us ambassadors of his grace and his love. We're called to show people dignity in and through our diversity and to live in love in a community that brings people hope that's found in Jesus Christ.